What's up and welcome everybody to the Bros and Consoles podcast mini-series solo gaming updates episode 42 on March 14th, 2021. I am one half of your host, Nathan Choquette, coming to you from my apartment. That was a weird, I didn't think I was going to actually say coming to you from somewhere, but yep, that's where I'm coming to you from. Um, hope everybody's doing well. Hope everyone is having a good week so far. Um, I did say weekend episodes now, so I know it's not Saturday, but Sunday, sometimes maybe the episode drops on a Sunday, who knows, sometime on the weekend, that's kind of the new, the new thing going on. Um, but before we get too far into the video game, um, part of everything, I should, I say part, video games is the entire podcast mostly, um, I wanted to jump quickly into the beginning section because as, uh, I guess old listeners may know and now new listeners you are hearing maybe for the first time. I am an eye doctor and do want to have some eye education stuff in here each episode so that, you know, if you feel like this is something that may pertain to yourself or someone in your life that has, you know, issues with their eyes or just kind of questions about eyes in general, hopefully you can tune them into this part specifically. So even if they don't care about the video games, they get a little bit of dose of that as well. So here goes for this week. I wanted to talk to people a little bit about um, something that's become, I'd say, Pretty, pretty fairly popular over the past couple decades, and um, a little bit more prevalent as well, and that is specifically LASIK surgery, so uh, LASIK eye surgery. Um, it is kind of a, I'd say more of a like specialty type of thing within kind of like, you know, eye care overall, or it seems like more of a specialty type of thing. You know, after all, when you go to the eye doctor and stuff, you don't get a lot of eye doctors that are just like, hey, you know what, you should go get LASIK surgery and don't have to worry about these like glasses and contacts ever again. And, you know, that's that's something that, you know, I think is sometimes left on the side there. People don't um, talk too much about LASIK. So hopefully I can give you a little bit of extra information to go with, um, you know, you going and, and researching things on your own and whatnot. So the kind of one of the first things I want to talk about is that um, it's most common nowadays for kind of LASIK surgery to be done with basically all lasers um, in the past. And I guess that kind of relates to what I'm talking about here in the past. When LASIK was performed, they actually used um, very thin blades to kind of make some of the incisions for the actual surgery. And nowadays, it's actually pretty rare, I think, um, as far as I'm aware, to find places that are still using um, blades, or the fancy word that they use is uh, microkeratomes. That's just a fancy word for a very thin blade, basically. Um, but the you know, more commonly nowadays, it's all done with lasers. There's no longer any cutting of like actual like blades. It's all just lasers that are doing all the work there. Uh, and then the surgeon, of course, who is kind of doing the more like um, mechanical manual parts of things, um, but not the actual, you know, physical cutting anymore, right? So along with that, though, um, what you kind of notice from the, you know, all laser treatment is that you have a kind of a bit of a faster recovery time in general, and generally surgeries can be more precise as well that way. Um, just kind of the preciseness of lasers is way above what you can get with um, the, I guess, past more traditional like blade type surgeries. Um, a more common thing that people kind of wonder, though, is like, you know, is it possible for me to get LASIK surgery? Like, I've got this, you know, decent-sized prescription, and everyone has a different um, kind of perception of what that prescription size is as being, like, if it's really high to them or really low-seeming. It's kind of different person-to-person. -person. But um, as far as range-wise, if you are nearsighted, uh, prescriptions, you know, they're, they're measured in 
what we call diopters, basically. Um, and the numbers on there is the important thing. So if you're nearsighted, your, your number is a, a negative number. And they can go all the way up to a minus 12, basically, for nearsighted people. For people that are farsighted, um, the number is a you know positive number. It's usually a plus um, dot, dot, dot kind of thing, right? Uh, it can go up to a plus six for people that are farsighted. And then for people that have astigmatism, which is also something that um, people, I think, are generally kind of told limits the ability to have surgery or at least limited in the past. Uh, it can go to a minus six for people that have astigmatism there. The astigmatism portion is a little bit, you know, sometimes tricky to find on your actual thing without knowing, you know, the ins and outs of prescriptions themselves. Um, so the next time you're at an eye doctor getting your, your eyes examined and stuff, just ask, like, what is the specific number for your astigmatism if you wanted to know that kind of thing? Or, you know, better yet, if you get a copy of your prescription after your appointment, which, you know, everybody should be getting that kind of thing. If you're getting an eye exam, that is, you know, your, your information that you can get. Um, then basically you can get, you know, the numbers shown to you and just kind of ask them like, hey, can you show me like the diff what the different parts of this prescription are so that you kind of know what you're looking at there as well. Um, besides the, you know, the, the ranges I just mentioned, uh, minus 12 plus 6 and a minus 6 type of things there. Um, everyone's eyes heal differently from surgery, right? And it sounds weird because you, you think of surgery as just like, okay, like I'm going in there, they're going to laser my eyes and I'll be able to see afterwards. Um, but important thing to kind of remember is that everyone's going to heal differently. So no matter how precise the lasers are and everything, there's always going to be that kind of like, um, I'd say like more human individual kind of factor there in terms of how your eyes will heal afterwards. So whether that means that, you know, afterwards you have a little bit of kind of remaining prescription, sometimes that can happen because the eyes heal a little bit differently than we expect them to. And that is a, you know, some, that is something that does happen for some people. It's on the, I'd say like rarer side to kind of have that cause issues with your vision. But if it does, that is something that you can go and kind of talk with the doctors about there. Um, in terms of, you know, people going in and maybe you hear a lot of things on the radio about like, oh, you know, see, see the best you've ever seen with like 2020 vision and all these different things. It'll be like upgrading your, your eyes to HD. I don't, obviously you can tell I don't listen to commercials and things like that very often, <laughs> but if you're kind of hearing these things on there and it sounds really great, it's always important to kind of take a step back and everything. Um, and for this type of thing specifically, Think about how you see with your glasses or you see with your contact lenses. Generally, you know, assuming that the prescription is correct and everything there and it's not possible to kind of more fine tune that prescription. If you're seeing a certain way with your glasses and contacts and that's kind of as good as it gets there, LASIK is not going to make it suddenly better than that. Right. So it's important to know that your vision potential. Right. And that's kind of a, an important word there is your vision potential is kind of at a certain point and it's not going to suddenly drastically improve because you've had laser eye surgery um, even though you know going and telling people that you have laser eyes makes it sound really cool and futuristic it's not that futuristic so <laughs> it's not going to magically make your vision um, better right we need to know kind of what your potential vision is and then be able to move forward from there um, another important thing and this is kind of more on the you know, specifically um, patient side that I want people to kind of think about as they're going into places to get consultations. Generally, consultations are free. So that part of everything is kind of something that I think a lot of places don't want to 
stop people from coming in to get a consultation because of the thought of having to pay for that and then possibly find out you're not a candidate um, because it does happen. People do find out that they can't have laser eye surgery and that's okay. It's, it, it's better to be safe about these things than to try and have surgery done on people who it wouldn't be safe for. Um, but in general, I want you to kind of think about when you're going in there that, you know, the, the companies that you're going to be visiting, they are businesses as well. Um, clearly if the consultations are free, they do make money off of the surgery cost itself. Right. Um, so if you are feeling like you're being pressured into kind of, you know, booking a treatment or kind of scheduling a surgery and whatnot for yourself, take a step back. Don't feel that pressure, kind of push that pressure away off to the side. Because there are different things that can cause that kind of pressure, like certain things like maybe hearing about promotional pricing that's kind of going on for a limited time, um, such as, you know, like you get this amount off of your total cost if you get it done within this month type of thing. Um, That is something that does happen. But uh, as someone who's kind of on the inside, I want you to know that that type of promotional pricing isn't only like a one time thing and it's gone forever, right? Generally, for these types of things, they do kind of come back at different times. So you can always just kind of come back to it another time if you're not feeling comfortable with your decision of getting surgery yet, assuming people are candidates and whatnot, right? Um, But, you know, just important thing is to not rush into it, right? You wouldn't rush into going and purchasing a car without doing your due diligence and kind of researching things ahead of time, right? The same thing should go for your eyes, even though I I think people don't always kind of think about these things the same way. Your eyes are super important, right? So you want to go ahead and do your your research, do your due diligence of kind of checking out different places, seeing which would be the best fit for you, not just which gives you the answer you want to hear. Like maybe you're really desperate about getting surgery done and you've heard at, you know, countless places that, you know, it can't be done, can't be done, can't be done. If another place does tell you like, oh, no, we can do it for you maybe be a little bit skeptical of that, right? Make sure that you are, you know, trusting the place that you're at and that kind of information is lining up, right? Um, That is to say, not all information will always line up, which is kind of the hard part. Um, I think what I I commonly hear from people, because I do work at a LASIK center, and this is kind of where I get some of my information from, or personal information from, I should say, um, is that, you know, a common thing I get is that people come in saying that, hey, my doctor told me that I am not a you know good candidate for surgery because of this or because of this. And when it comes to like, oh, because of my prescription size, they told me I'm not a good candidate or because of my astigmatism is the more common one. I'm not a good candidate. Um, hate to say it, but not all, you know, doctors are people too. Not everyone can be up to date on every single thing within the eye um, care field. And that's okay, right? That's not something that I don't think people should be expected to know everything about things that they're not specialized in, but it never hurts to go and get a consultation to go and see for yourself, right? Like be the best advocate for yourself as a patient as you can. And I think, you know, everything goes a lot more smoothly that way. If you go and you get told, you know, it's not going to work out, then at least you you have that in, in the back of your mind. It was like, you know what, I went and checked and it, things lined up, so I, I, you know, now I trust my doctor even more, probably, right? Um, besides those things, there, like, say you've gotten through the entire process and you've got something booked, right? Um, and you're feeling, you know, you're feeling a little bit on the fence about it. Like maybe you're still a little bit nervous, and that's totally fine. Um, if you do decide that, like, hey, you know, this isn't for me, that's fine. Go ahead and give them a call. Give the center that you booked things with a call. They may kind of be like, oh, you know, I'm a, we're, you know, we're sad to lose your business type of thing. 
um, maybe we can do something else for you type of stuff. But important thing, most important thing for you is to know where your comfort level is. If you're not comfortable getting it done, don't force yourself into doing it. Don't let other people force you into doing it or don't let other people kind of talk you into doing it, if that makes sense. Um, you want to make sure that you're comfortable with your medical decisions because, you know, you're going to be the one living with the results of, of surgeries, you know, for the rest of your life, right? Whether those be, you know, good surgery um, results or sometimes poor surgery results, it's kind of up to you there. But um, most important thing for you is just being comfortable with kind of your decisions and how you've made them, right? Um, if you eventually in the future do become comfortable again, then go ahead and revisit it. And that's totally fine there, right? But most importantly, take your time. And yeah, I think that's what I've got for you today. I'm going to add one more thing at the end there. And um, this is one that you know, I think kind of plays into kind of it's, it's helpful for patients and also helpful for the, the doctors at centers as well. Um, but basically, if you're you know going in to get a surgery consultation, never go in with the assumption that you're going to you know go there that day, get seen for a consultation, and then have surgery the same day. Okay, I think that's kind of another really important thing to remember, especially you know besides the entire fact of just kind of having that whole like due process and time to really kind of like go through the decision of everything. It's I think even more important that sometimes, you know, there are reasons why surgery can't be done that same day, whether it's not, whether it's because the surgeon is not, you know, working that day, or whether it's because, you know, your prescription type means that a certain dilation drop has to be used um, in order to kind of, you know, completely do your exam there. Um, we're never going to try and, or hopefully, I, I would think hopefully us on our side as doctors are never going to try and rush people through everything and try to skip steps just to, you know, get another surgery in the books. Because, you know, speaking, I have to speak for myself here because I can't speak for everybody, but I don't care personally if a LASIK center is making money. I care if the patients are, you know, well taken care of and if they are comfortable with the decisions they're making and if they have all the information to make those decisions. So, Basically, you know, if you're going in with the assumption of like, hey, I'm going to get seen today, I'm going to find out if I can do it or not, and I'm going to get it done if I can. Um, don't go in with that assumption. It's just better for everyone all the way around. And that's what I've got for you today. We're going to go ahead and end the eyeball section there. I may come back to um, LASIK surgery in general because it's a, it's a pretty like complicated type of topic, and I think there can be a lot of things that we can go over there. Um, but we'll leave that for a future date as well. Now we move over to the the main part of the podcast, video games, because that's what this show is all about, basically. Um, sorry, I got distracted for a moment because I just saw I got a text message that my wife can hear me recording. So hi, wifey. Um, we just got a, what are those things called? Uh, like a ring doorbell system type of thing so that when packages get delivered, we'll kind of like know that it's been dropped off outside. Because sometimes, um, I don't know what it is. Like this is totally besides the point of like video games and all these things, but just, you know, personal thing here. Um, we occasionally will get packages dropped off at our apartment and nobody knocks. So it's just like, we have no idea it's there. We don't know how long it's been there for. And then we, you know, open the door to take like our puppy out or something. And all of a sudden there's a package there and we're like, well, it would have been nice to know that this was here. <laughs> but yeah, so we have the, the ring doorbell thing now. And apparently she, uh, she's she said it seems like you can you can go to like a live feed thing and then hear people recording or no not hear people recording but she can hear me recording because she was on the live feed for a moment 
I don't know, totally besides the point, back to video games, because this was actually a pretty interesting week for video games. My voice got really high there for a second. I don't know why. Um, but let me just kind of go through um, just quick updates here real fast. Um, one of the main things I wanted to update here was that um, we had the kind of like first official, yeah, I'll call it that, first official episode of the um, other miniseries that I started up this past week called Ready and Waiting. Um, basically, if people listen to it, um, you know, then you kind of already know a little bit of what it is, kind of what the format is going to look like roughly. And then for people that didn't listen to it yet, go and listen to it please. I appreciate it if you listen to it. Um, but basically, it's going to be kind of a review series that we base around just kind of video, video games we've played, and especially ones that we, you know, really enjoyed as well. I think that's kind of the most important thing there is I don't plan on reviewing games that I didn't enjoy, right? Like I would never, I'm trying to think of a game that I, I don't like. Um, I can't think of many games I don't like vehemently or anything like that. Uh, we'll talk, we'll say maybe... Oh, what's that game called? Metropolis, or no? Is that what it's called? Metropolis Lux Obscura or something like that? It's a weird name. Um, that one I didn't care for, but I would never, you know, make an entire episode about how I disliked a game, if that makes sense. Um, but into going into the future, I plan to kind of do more of these ready and waiting episodes as kind of they, you know, provide a nice spotlight for a game individually that I think, you know, Obviously, if we enjoy it, then we get to tell you what we enjoy about it specifically, and it doesn't, you know, then therefore lengthen the regular episodes of the podcast. We'll still come to you with kind of like, you know, quick takes on things that we've been playing, things like that in the future, but just kind of an extra thing on the side to show some extra love to developers that are working really hard, um, publishers that are also working hard to, to help us out with these things, and then, you know, just video games that we, we love and want to talk about. So... Going forward, look out for more Ready and Waiting episodes um, coming out probably sporadically is the best I can give you right now, but somewhat sometime in the future, so keep your eye on the podcast feed, of course. We also have a PS5 version of a game releasing this coming week on March 18th. Marvel's Avengers, the video game, is coming out, and it is going to be a free upgrade for people that already own the PS4 edition as well. Um, the game has kind of got like mixed reviews, right? So I was hoping to have had the game by now in terms of just like um, getting it while it's on sale. I ended up kind of holding off for a long time and I think I missed a few times where it has been on sale. And I, you know, I've just been playing so many different things that I don't feel the need to go ahead and like jump into it right away. So maybe in the future, I'll go ahead and play it and see how the PS5 version runs. Cause that's the, the nice thing about, you know, having the next gen console is that, you know, in general, all the games that I play run better on the PS5. It's actually been pretty, I, I didn't think about kind of how noticeable it is until recently playing a little bit more on the PS4 and kind of noticing the stark difference in like, you know, just basic things like startup time of the system and the games themselves. And then also just like loading times is one thing, um, kind of overall running performance. Excuse me, I had a little bit of a burp there. I'm drinking a, um, what's it called? Boylan Bottling Company or... Boylan? 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 Boylan. I'm gonna say Boylan. Um, it's a it's a cane sugar type root beer. It's actually pretty good. I give it like a B plus on the root beer scale, if they have a lettering system. <laughs> but um, where was I at? I, I totally lost my, my thought here. Marvel's Avengers. I'm interested in it kind of um, on the side. I'm not going to jump into it quite yet. 
frankly, there's just too many things to play right now in terms of just like old games in the backlog. And the nice thing about, you know, the next gen systems PS5 stuff is that I, you know, for ones that I wanted to play, I either have them and have played them or have them and, you know, I'm somewhere along the play through and whatnot. Um, I don't know why I struggled with the word playthrough there. Today's a weird day for, for podcast recording, apparently. I think my, my body is all thrown off from going back an hour. Is that right? We lose an hour in the spring. No, you spring. Yeah, you spring forward, right? That's that's the saying. So I've lost like an hour of sleep, and my body really feels it, guys. It's like It's like I need to sleep through the entire day just to kind of make up for like the the hour of sleep I've lost which feels like it doesn't make sense and shouldn't make sense but body wise it's feeling like it makes sense um but yeah going back to Marvel's Avengers I may look into it in the future um but we'll have to see it sounds like also when people you know it sounds like the story is pretty good in that game it also sounds like though when you get to kind of end game type of thing um there is not much to do as far as kind of a live um service game is concerned um, or I guess games of service, that type of, um, deal there. So, you know, it's, it's interesting. It's in an interesting place, but, um, I like, you know, just Avengers things in general, uh, Marvel comic type things are pretty cool as far as, you know, obviously the movies series and all these types of things, but, um, even like, you know, in terms of video games, like Marvel Spider-Man and Spider-Man Miles Morales, those are some of my favorite, um, video games. So I'm interested to look at it in the future. In the current news roundup that we have for this week, uh, I guess we're kind of moving kind of fast. There's not a whole lot of updates. That's probably why. Uh, but the, yeah, in the news roundup of this week, I got a couple items here. The first one is that we have the announcement of Square Enix Presents, which is a you know a showcase series that's going to be happening from Square Enix. I don't know if they detailed like how far into the future this is going to be happening, but we know at the moment that the first one is going to be happening on March 18th. Um, Oh, well that, and I just realized that lines up nicely with the whole like Marvel's Avengers um, PS5 release and whatnot. Um, for people that are kind of, you know, in, in tuned with developers and things like that, Marvel's Avengers, the video game, is also, um, I'm trying to think if they were developed. Yeah, I think it was developed slash published by Square Enix. So that kind of lines up nicely there. I think Crystal Dynamics is the um, official like studio that kind of worked on that and things. Um, I maybe have to correct myself later, but we'll see. Um, but yeah, going over to, uh, I haven't done this for a while, but going over to IGN, um, Jonathan Dornbush wrote a story that, you know, talks about this entire thing here. And I just want to click over to this just because it talks about specifically the things that Square has put out that they're going to be talking about during this first official Square Enix Presents uh, showcase. And the things that they have listed are a reveal of the next Life is Strange series game. So that's pretty exciting. Um, they have a little bit more talk about Outriders, which is coming out in April. Um, actually, yeah, April 1st. So it's coming out in just about, what was that, 17 days? Is that how math works? No, 18 days. It's coming out in 18 days. Um, they also have Balan Wonderland, which, you know, I'm not holding my breath for anymore. Um, I think people that have listened to, you know, episodes of the past know that the demo for that game was atrocious and probably one of the worst demos I've ever played, which I didn't think could be possible from a demo. But yeah, very surprised that that it turned out the way it did for that. Um, so we'll have to see kind of like what they're going to show for for Balan Wonderland because that you know that this is it's one of the few times where a demo has like driven down excitement for a game in my opinion, and this is definitely one of like the only case I can think of this happening. 
Um, so we'll see kind of what happens for the whole Balan Wonderland situation. They also are going to talk about, um, and this is in quotes on this um, news story, but the ongoing celebration for the 25th anniversary of Tomb Raider. Um, I think also throughout the week there was a, I think there was a leak of, the, or yeah, a leak from the Microsoft store that a kind of a collection of the reboot Tomb Raider trilogy was going to be coming. And it's coming, I think, around the time that the showcase is happening. So we'll see if it's kind of like a, you know, situation where it's like announced and then kind of out now type of thing. Um, they also have Marvel's Avengers on here. They have a Just Cause mobile game. And they also have a, you know, in quotes, new mobile game announcements from the award-winning Square Enix Montreal studio. And then another quotation, um, a look at a few of the whimsical games from Square Enix sister company, Taito. Now, I did not research taito ahead of time so i'm not really quite sure you know which which whimsical games they may be talking about there but it's kind of a you know it's a it's a fairly you know light type of initial showcase i think um these kind of smaller announcements putting them together like that will be a good way to kind of test the waters on you know maybe like player engagement and people that are kind of watching these things but hopefully in the future, if we're, it sounds like they, I think, are planning to do one every quarter. So every like roughly three months or so, I believe. I may be wrong on that. But if that's the case, then I'm looking forward to kind of seeing how these things evolve over time. Because getting kind of a steady stream of information, I think, is, is better in terms of just kind of knowing which things are coming out by companies you really like. So hopefully that also means that Final Fantasy 16 will be talked about a little bit later. Who knows, guys? Who knows? Um, I think we'll probably also, or not occasionally, eventually see um, the Final Fantasy XIV, I think it's the, the latest and maybe last expansion for like the current storyline called, what is it? Endwalker? Endwaker? Something like that. Um, I should look it up. I, I know I have this information, but I'm going to say Endwalker for now. I'll look it up later. But um, that is kind of one of the, the you know the, the more exciting things that they'll probably talk about at a later date, and maybe we'll get that kind of around the you know June July time period. But other than the Square Enix story, the other one that I have is that um, Microsoft kind of finished their acquisition of Bethesda. Um, now this is Bethesda underneath um, the you know parent company and whatnot, but Bethesda kind of being the main player in this kind of company and things there it's kind of been the thing that people have been talking about the talking about the most and this is you know exciting on one front and you know scary a little on the other front (laughs) and i don't mean scary in the sense that like you know i'm actually you know physically scared and whatnot but in this or or even you know scared in the sense of like you know i really enjoy playing things on playstation and you know, console wars and those ridiculous things that people talk about. But, um, you know, I, I, you know, personally, I do personally like playing things on PlayStation just because I get trophies and whatnot. I like seeing the trophy level add over time. And I like seeing the kind of catalog of things that I've played or, you know, own on PlayStation and kind of seeing how that changes over time. The thing that I kind of worry about is, you know, now that I've gotten to see this, this list I have build over time like this, it's, worrisome to think that maybe in the future because I, I what i do think is kind of happening is that um and it sounds it sounds weird because there's kind of the two sides where on one side maybe you know bethesda will continue to, to allow these games that they own to come over to other platforms 
And I think that side, you know, makes sense to a degree. But I also think that uh, Microsoft having purchased Bethesda to have this kind of like, you know, new first party studio type of thing is, and I guess I'm trying to, now that I think about it, maybe, I don't know, actually don't know if they've called themselves first party or not, but if they own it, I would assume it's probably safe to say it like that. Um, but the idea that basically now like they are you know, part of the Xbox family and whatnot, it would make sense to, you know, cut off these, you know, huge games that usually are used to go to other platforms and now make them exclusive things for Xbox because, you know, in a situation where Xbox is not, you know, there, it's kind of, it almost feels like, you know, maybe I'm a little bit, you know, newer on this, on this front here, but it almost feels like, you know, in the past, like Sony studios have kind of like popped up over time and become like, you know, more renowned and whatnot. And they've kind of grown in that fashion. Um, obviously there have been like purchases and things there, but in the, on like the Microsoft side of things, there has been a lot more purchases in kind of like a smaller period of time recently. So a lot of the stories coming around the Microsoft section is that, you know, this, this game company has been purchased. This one has also been acquired. So is this one. And they're slowly building this kind of first party base at like, you know, a really staggering um, speed over here. And the idea now that, you know, you have Bethesda who has been established for so long and you just purchase them for crazy amount, like seven, seven point something billion dollars. Um, I think, uh, yeah, I'm seeing on here on The Verge by Tom Warren, the number is $7.5 billion. Um, but the idea that, you know, you spent all that money and you're not going to make them exclusive sounds ridiculous. So I think I do fall into the camp of maybe we never see another Elder Scrolls on the PlayStation platform other than the ones that are already currently on there, right? Like they, they've clearly said that, you know, any contracts that are in the works already are going to be honored. Um, as per original agreements with companies and whatnot. Um, so things like Deathloop and uh, Ghostwire Tokyo are both going to be um, console launch exclusives over on the PlayStation side and then will come to you know Xbox uh, presumably in the future whenever those things, um, you know, whenever those contracts end, right? Um, but then going forward, right, anything that is not, you know, has not already been locked down by a contract, I would expect to probably come to Xbox as an exclusive because... When you try to think of Sony exclusives, it's not really hard to think of those type of things. But when you think of Microsoft exclusives, you think of, I don't know, Halo, Gears of War, Forza, and then it's kind of tough, right? Unless you're like really in deep for some of these like deeper titles and whatnot. It's a little bit kind of tough to, to think of a whole lot of things. And that's probably what they want to do is kind of build that same type of, you know, massive game slate that that sony has as well and i think it's a smart move so good on them for for getting these things but you know it just means i'll probably be playing my xbox a little bit more because right now i've been so focused on the the playstation 5 and stuff that i haven't really been playing anything else aside from the switch occasionally um and it would be nice to be able to use my xbox a little bit more because you know I think in the future, if I have the means to get a, a the next gen Xbox stuff, I'd love to see how it kind of performs um, compared to the Xbox One and whatnot. So, be, it'd be cool to to look out for. But at the moment, not holding my breath for for these you know future future games, the ones that are years in the making type of thing, to come to PlayStation platforms because of this this new deal basically now. Um, I think that's a, that's a good way to kind of transition to basically just kind of things I've been playing lately. And it's a little bit of a lighter news week, but you know, it's okay if news weeks are light as well. 
Uh, this week, though, or this past week, I should say, I've gotten to play um, a decent amount of games. It's just kind of I've, I'm going to focus on a few certain ones that I got to spend more time with. One of those is Mortal Shells Enhanced Edition, which is the PS5 version of the game. Um, free upgrade, like I think I mentioned on the last proper episode of the solo gaming updates. And man, it's it's just as fun to play as I remember. Sorry, there's a beep going on because... I think I think rice is done. That means lunchtime is almost here, everybody. <laughs> but um, basically, and you guys are all gonna hear this too. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna edit that stuff out. Um, basically, though, the you know the PS5 version, it feels a lot nicer to play. I'm liking the kind of interactivity of the Dual Sense with that thing there. And the I don't know if it was just the it must have just been the actual like you know PS4 had some like rumble kind of things going on, but it didn't ever feel like it was very noticeable. For the Dual Sense on the PS5 version of the game, it feels very noticeable as I'm kind of playing the game, which I like a lot. Like I I appreciate anytime these games, whether they're like you know new games or enhanced editions and whatnot for the next gen consoles. I appreciate whenever they're kind of adding in these extra features that work with the controls because it kind of you know it just enhances the experience overall. Maybe that's why they call it Enhanced Edition, everybody. Who knows? Um, but, you know, it's been a lot of fun playing that game. I did start a new game on there. I didn't try to um, bring forward my progress because I would think, I think I was still fairly early in Mortal Shell as it was. And I don't mind going through that beginning part again because it was pretty fun. But overall, um, very pretty. I did see, I think, that they've added another feature as well, which I don't remember on the PS4 version of the game. But, um, and I'm trying to think of, I, I forget exactly what it's called, but it's basically like you, it's something like an indie version or something of the game. And when you go into that option, it basically kind of like de-reses the like resolution of everything and makes it almost like you're looking at a kind of like older video game or a more like retro 3D video game, which I think is a cool kind of aspect. I haven't tried playing it like that because I want to play with the, the nice graphics and everything. But I think it's a cool kind of like new option for people that may want to play the game again and just kind of see what it looks like. Um, besides that, I've gotten to play a, a, quite a bit more of Nexomon Extinction. I think I've got um, several more hours into that now. And um, overall, like I know I was pretty high on it originally when I was first like seeing trailers for it and trying it out initially. Um, I liked, like uh, not liked, I, I loved that, the, the idea, sorry, there you go, the idea that you could choose any of these different um, starter Nexamon, rather than just being stuck with like only three and it's always the same three um, elements and whatnot like fire water and grass um but yeah i love that you could choose from a, i think it was like almost like nine or ten different Nexamon um core elements and being able to kind of choose the one you wanted to start off with and then kind of going into the world and doing the whole like catching of these like new creatures and whatnot because I've never, you know, because it's a brand new game. I've never seen any of these things before. Nothing's, none of these are kind of like repeats that I'm finding. And it's pretty actually cool. Like I also really enjoy now seeing a bit more of it though, is that I can catch some of the starters that I didn't end up choosing in the beginning. I want to say I've found, I think three or four other starter Nexamon um, that I had a choice from at the beginning, just in the wild regularly, which is, I think, a really cool um, idea there. Being able to, you know, catch all of them rather than, you know, being restricted to whichever one you choose initially and then kind of, you know, losing the ability to get the others except for trading, I think is very fun. I also really like that I've seen over time, um, basically kind of, you know, 
the story, I'll, I'll say the story for one part has been, you know, very interesting. It's slowly kind of evolving. The characters continue to have these like funny quips back and forth um, about, you know, just video game tropes in general and kind of like um, Pokemon-esque RPG tropes kind of thing. And just making fun of those things in a sarcastic kind of way. Like um, your your companion, which is a cat character named Coco, I believe. Um, you're talking with kind of some random person and I think, I think it's actually like a, you know, their version of a police officer type of thing. And you're talking with them and they're like, Hey, just so you know, like make sure you're all healed up before you go out into the wild and stuff. Cause sometimes you'll encounter, um, yeah, sometimes you'll encounter other, uh, they call them tamers, I believe. Um, you'll encounter other tamers and those tamers will want to battle you. And Coco's like, shouldn't that be like illegal? Like, (laughs) like they just pick a fight for no reason. And then the, the, the police officer is essentially like, oh, no, why would you think that? And Coco's just, like, just staring at him. <laughs> it's, a, it's an awkward kind of thing, but I'm just like, oh, this is this is funny that it's kind of, you know, making these sarcastic puns at itself. And I like that they've continued that kind of um, feel throughout the thing. It makes it kind of feel like more of an interesting adventure. Um, along with the kind of going through there and just, you know, on the topic of tamers, when I come across a tamer in the, in the wild and whatnot, I, you know, do battle with them beat them and then kind of move on sometimes when i go back though i'll see that they have another marking above their head and i can challenge them again and if some time has passed before the or since the last time you um, challenged them you basically see that their party of nexomon kind of increase in strength and sometimes their nexomon actually evolve as well and you get to kind of have a little bit of an extra challenge but you know it's it's cool to be able to see that there's kind of like this um I don't, I don't know if replayability is the right sense there, but it's it's like a living aspect of the world kind of thing. It's not like you, you meet them once and then they're just gone kind of thing. And um, along with that, every time you, you know, you fight a tamer in the wild and whatnot and you beat them, they remember your name the next time you come back. And that's a pretty cool thing, too. Um, every time I go back to somebody, they're like, oh, man, it's you. Let's go ahead and do battle again. I'm ready this time. And it's, it's you know, something along those lines where they, you know, they remember you, they remember your name, and then now you're going to, you know, they're going to get revenge type of thing. They want a rematch. And it's it's a cool type of little thing that I think they've, they've done a good job in terms of kind of like quality of life um, things being added to this game compared to like Pokemon games, which this is clearly a, a um, homage to. Um, the second to last one I'll talk about is actually Fortnite. I'm not going to talk too long about it, but I did get to, uh, level 100 on the battle pass, which is the last level. Um, that means that, that this is the most exciting thing because this season has all been about, um, different, you know, crazy hunters and things like that. The, um, Mandalorian, which I have been rocking for a while as the, the skin that I play as, um, or the character skin, I should say. Um, I finally unlocked like all of his, um, Beskar armor and everything for, for people that are, you know, into the whole Mandalorian series and whatnot. Um, that was a really big thing that I wanted to get. And then I've also finally got the, um, baby Yoda thing that follows me. I I say thing. He's he's in like that, uh, that flying pod basically. And he kind of follows me around in matches and he's kind of like cooing and stuff like in his little, you know, baby, baby voice and everything. And it's very, very cute. That's kind of, that was the main thing I wanted to do is get to the end of the battle pass this time around to unlock all of that. And I finally got it. So now I can, now I can rest easy because the season ends, I think, um, tomorrow, I actually believe the, I think it'll probably end tomorrow and the, you know, the next season, or it's like the, you know, they have like the end season finale type of thing that happens, I think, tomorrow. And then the following day is when season six, I think, will go live. So 
unfortunately I'm not gonna be able to see what the end season event is. I'll have to kind of catch it on like YouTube and things like that. But it's it's pretty cool. I like I like the I liked this past season and I'm interested to see what kind of where it changes next. Now, is it gonna be interesting enough to get me to you know purchase the battle pass again for this next season? I don't know yet. I don't know if there's something that could be more interesting to me at the moment. And honestly, I didn't get to play Fortnite as much as I, you know, would have wanted to. And I think that's kind of been the case for a lot of things lately where, you know, I've I've gotten battle passes and then maybe kind of fallen off at some point since I'm playing so many other things. And I think if that's the case, it's not worth it to for me to get the battle pass again. But we'll see. We'll see what they come out with next time. And then the last thing that I wanted to talk about was a new game that I picked up. Um, never thought that I would actually, you know, fully pick this up and, you know, see how long I go into it and stuff. But I started playing Final Fantasy XIV. Um, I'm playing it on the PS5, so a little bit different than I think, you know, playing a, you know, massive multiplayer online game on the computer and whatnot. Um, I am slowly kind of learning the whole like ins and outs of the control scheme and everything there because I can clearly see that like you know looking at it it's probably made more for playing on a PC than playing on um, a console but it's also kind of fairly easy to play on the console too I haven't had too many issues with it other than just a little bit more complicated control scheme in the beginning and you know surprisingly it's actually really fun <laughs> like I wasn't expecting to enjoy it as much as I have but I'm about, I don't know, I'll say like five to seven hours in so far. I think I recently reached like level 10 or something like that. So as far as like, you know, level wise and content wise, I'm still super early. Um, today I joined a, what do they call them? They call them free companies. They're like guilds, I believe, unless there are guilds. I'm still very new to this whole thing. But man, I, I mean, it's kind of got me wondering, like, is this, is this secretly one of the best, like, Final Fantasy games and whatnot, you know, like, the, I'm really enjoying the story stuff so far, um, I, you know, got to choose my character, create them, and all that stuff, and then, um, the initial kind of watching the opening cutscene things of, like, it's all, like, the CGI type of movies and things like that, that stuff was really interesting and really well done, I was very surprised to see, like, the quality of those things, and it really got me interested in the story overall. And then when I got to actually see my character being introduced into, you know, her, um, her own story, I'm playing a, a female character and seeing kind of like them being introduced into this brand new story and whatnot. It's been really it's been a really cool ride so far. And I've actually been pleasantly surprised by it. It's been, man, probably years since I've played an MMORPG and I have recently kind of been missing playing some kind of role playing game. I didn't know what type of game I wanted to play, and then the idea of Final Fantasy XIV came up, and I was like, huh, you know what, why not, let's try it. Um, the nice thing is that if you wanted to, if people wanted to try it out, whether it's on the PS4 or PS5, because um, currently the PS5 players are playing a PS4 version via backwards compatibility, but um, if you wanted to try it out, it's pretty, you know, I think it's fairly easy to kind of like sign up and everything. There's also, um, it's, you know, a little convoluted in terms of looking on the store and whatnot, but you can download the demo for the game, which lets you play basically the entire game and I think um, up to like the first expansion portion, I think called Shadowbringers. And I think it's Shadowbringers, is that right? I might have to correct that later. But um, basically, yeah, you can play a huge amount of the game. Like you can get yourself to, to, I think, level like 50 or something, get yourself to kind of like the end game type of stuff in the, in the original version of the game. Um, the only you know thing that you miss out on are things like trophies 
and I believe, you know, obviously extended level caps and things like that towards the end. But, I mean, the idea that you can play through this entire thing without having to actually pay for anything is kind of mind-boggling. Um, but it's, it's you know, smart in a way, because as with most MMORPGs, you do have to go ahead and do a monthly subscription option kind of thing. And I think from what I've been reading, it sounds like it's 15 bucks a month, so right around the level that I think World of Warcraft is at as well. Um, but, I mean, if I, you know, really enjoy this thing, I'm... I'm fairly certain I'll probably jump back into the thing um, once my time runs out. Um, I did end up purchasing a starter pack, which gives me the ability to earn trophies as well as just kind of like play the, what's that, all of the content kind of like to its fullest, basically. And it gives me that um, time period of, I think, 30 days of doing that kind of stuff before the, you know, the subscription relapses and everything there. But if I'm enjoying it enough, I may like continue into it because it's been a long, long time since I played an, an MMO game, and it's been a lot of fun. Like like joining recently, joining that that free company and everything. It's been a long time since I've played online games with people that you know seem like they just kind of want to help out and stuff. <laughs> like that's kind of a nice thing there. It's nice to not always have to be worried about just like you know player versus player type of thing, or um, you know just random online encounters where, you know, people are, you know, shooter games where it's just kind of in a a match out of the thing and you never see them again type of thing. Um, But I'm looking forward to kind of um, trying this game out fully and kind of seeing where everything goes. And so far, the um, things that I'm kind of excited about is it seems like they're in the works, um, or I should say Square Enix is working on a PS5 version of the game. It's going to be a PS5 beta, I think, as well. So seeing kind of where things look graphically after the update will be really cool. Um, I think that's coming later this year, I believe. I'll try to get an an actual date and maybe um, update things next time around. But, I mean, even looking at the the PS4 graphics and stuff, because I've got it on the TV right now and I can see it in the background. I had to to mute everything because even though I like the music, I didn't want the music to bleed over over here. Um, but it's, it's, you know, it's a very pretty game and it's cool to kind of be within the Final Fantasy universe in a you know, in a sense, because I'm not, you know, just beat over the head with, like, story all the time. I can just kind of go and wander around, which I enjoy doing in MMOs, and just kind of see all the different sites and stuff. So, pretty exciting. If you want to go ahead and try out the game as well, um, there is the whole, you know, when you're first creating a character and stuff, you do choose between, like, different um, servers and different worlds on the servers. Those type of things always are like a a little like convoluted and annoying to me in general. Um, But unless you're a game like Eve Online, you can't have these like giants, you know, all one server type of deal. So it makes sense as as far as kind of like the game is concerned. But if you wanted to play Final Fantasy XIV and you wanted to hit me up, um, I am Indy Ronan on PSN. I, I think if people are looking for it, I am on the... So I'm on the the North American server. I believe it's called Aether, like A-E-T-H-E-R or something like that. Um, the world I'm in is called Siren, I believe, like like police siren or ambulance siren, any kind of siren. Um, siren song, right? That type of thing. Um, so I think that's where I'm at there. If you want to, to meet up on there, um, you know, just hit me up on PSN. We'll, we'll figure things out along the way. I don't know yet if I can use like the mic and whatnot to chat with people in the near vicinity. So it's all, all things that I'm learning so far. I'm, I'm in the learning process, but sometimes, you know, learning is fun, right? <laughs> um, that's all I've got for you guys this week. I hope you guys are having a great weekend. I hope you guys are staying safe and healthy. 
And if you've got any questions, comments, or feedback, as always, feel free to write into brosandconsoles at gmail.com. Um, as I mentioned earlier, be on the lookout for future episodes of Ready and Waiting as well, the second mini-series that I've got started. And, you know, just overall, play some cool games, get a lot of work, be productive, um, get a lot of work, get a lot of work done. There we go. Be productive throughout the week, you know, do whatever makes you happy, right? And above all else, um, thank you all for the support. I will see you again next weekend. Until then, peace out and cheers, everybody. Cheers.